Hello everyone, welcome back to the True Crime Friday podcast. I am ill today. I am poorly. I have a cold. And I've not helped matters because um, I thought I was getting better today and I went to the gym. And it was raining on the way home from the gym. And I was very sweaty so I didn't wear my hood. Because I had a separate hood, like a separate jacket underneath my coat. And um, so I probably made matters worse because it was raining. So um smart just like this guy is not so we're going so today's episode obviously needs a massive disclaimer you could not tell by the title if you're unaware of who this piece of shit human being is there he who he's there uh so in this episode there will be mentions of sexual assault rape and child pornography that many people may find upsetting and or disturbing so if you cannot tell this is about a pedophile a very notorious paedophile, if that. And yeah, this may not be the episode for you. And if that is the case, go and check out one of our more tamer episodes because believe it or not, there are some. I know, shocking for a true crime podcast. <sighs> anyway, on with the episode. Matt's reaction is going to be hilarious to this because Matt doesn't know anything. Matt, Matt never knows what episodes we're covering unless he's the one doing the research. So he's going <laughs> to. He's going to have something to say about this, but leave me. Hassling me with messages saying, Ready, ready, ready. I'm ready. Shut up. I was saying bye to my friend who's literally fucking off for three months to Asia, so... I was saying bye to, to him because he's literally messaged all of us now just going, right, see you later, guys. <laughs> Dickhead. Ah, yes. I know who that is. Yeah, you're, you're aware. If there's, if there's any people who are listening from Asia and you somehow come across this person. You come across a twat from Sheffield um, who constantly says the words, let's fucking go, um, and a Welshman um then apologies <laughs> for um you having to put up with them because i have to deal with uh, the sheffield one quite a lot <laughs> like but to be fair i've given him like movie recommendations to get to get through the flight so i've been i've given him i made him i'm making him watch lost boys for the first time ever which I've ah played. he's never watched it i was like you need to watch lost boys how fucking dare you I mean, I thought you were going to suggest him true crime-related stuff. No, he won't pay attention. No, he's oh, I wouldn't pay attention. Well, to be fair, I've... he got me... Um... Sorry, everyone, but uh, he got me a book for Christmas, and it's actually the first one out of a book series I really like. You don't have to read the books in order, uh, but they're all true crime-related. Fictional, but... Uh, yeah, they're all true crime related. Yeah, if, if I go a bit bla- if, if just then, sorry, he's still not clearly taken off because he's still fucking talking. Um, but yeah, he got me my, my favorite one of my favorite books for Christmas, so I was like, right, you need to read this one now. You need to read this one. So he's downloaded, I think, a few of them to read on the plane if he can fucking read because he's a fucking idiot. I mean, <coughs> fucking hell. Well, yeah, but if anyone is interested and they want a, a very a very nice true crime-related movie to watch, Cannibal Holocaust. Watch with your own discretion. I mean, I haven't seen it, but... 
Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like if you if you do something true crime related and you want to recommend something in the realm, uh, not that I maybe I have done that before. I don't watch much true crime stuff, but when I just thought of movies and true crime, I thought, hey, why not suggest the Cannibal Holocaust? Mm. Someone I know was watching that. And then on the story that they were watching it like last year about Halloween or something, and I'm like, props to you for doing that because as much as I want to kind of see it, I also at the same time don't really want to see it. And there was another film as well that was very gory. Um, I feel like in some of the things I've seen from like the very messed up film, some of the stuff that happens in the film is more messed up than stuff that happens in real life. Yeah. I feel like people's imaginary... Or like what they envision. You, ma- you mean imagination. Yes, yeah, or imagination. Because especially when we do these cases, I don't know about others, but like if it's a case I don't know, I you, you always kind of picture something in your head of kind of what it looks like. Yeah. And um, I feel like when some people might be picturing it way worse like in their heads. And then when people come to make something like creative on something that's fictional, the mind goes way more messed up than stuff that happens in real life. Not my mind, at least. No. When I, I when I when you, when you do when you tell me cases, I think of it. I don't think of it being too gory, like in my head. When you say something gory, I'm not envisioning it properly, 100% gory. But like the book series that I'm obsessed with, with uh, uh, the book that my friend gave me. Um, it's called the Robert Hunter series. They're by Chris Carter. They're all fictional, and believe me, they are fucked up. Um, each case is, Jesus Christ! Like you think it's like, ah, oh, this won't bring me in, mate. Duh. It's it's insane. I'm obsessed. With read the with caution. Read, read with, with oh, caution. Oh my god. Read. Hundred percent. Read with caution. Um, I'm I'm reading the Executioner right now, and uh, Ooh. it's the books are addictive. They're insanely addictive. I've read. <coughs> I'm still ill, by the way. I've, I've got a shitty cold. So sorry. Um. I tried going to the gym today, and I probably made. I've said this in the disclaimer. I've probably made it worse because it started raining when I left the gym, but I was very sweaty, so I didn't put my hood, my uh, hoodie on underneath my coat. So I technically walked in the rain, which has probably made it worse. So fucking stupid. Uh, just as my friend gets makes me a workout plan as well. Yeah. But yeah, read the read the Chris Carter uh, Robert Hunter series. It's fucking incredible. Ah, hundred percent recommend. So yeah, try that. Uh, the first one I read from the series is The Caller. So if you want to really, you don't have to read them in order at all. There's no need to. So if you want to go read a, that series, highly recommend. Uh, it's my favorite, one of my favorite Christmas presents that I got. I'm not gonna lie, because no one ever remembers my favorite author like ever. Like, I say it, but no one ever remembers it. And this is the first time someone's actually remembered it. I was like, I almost got very, like, sad when they finally opened it. Uh, but also, this case is very horrific and sad. Not as, um... I, you know what? I, I would say, hmm, there's no graphic details. But it's still horrific. And Matt's reaction to this case is going to amuse me. Um, mostly when I say the person's name. 
because you definitely know who this is. Okay, if I don't know who no, it is, you do, you're going to you be shocked. Do, you do. Today we're covering the case of Gary Glitter. Ah, uh, what? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I guess. I, I mean, you know what? He's it's, a knob. He's an he's absolute horrible cunt, man. Yeah. But I never, it never occurred to me that we would cover it at some point. But covered it in Watkins. Yeah, so, that's true. Not yeah, this this is this is yeah, this is a music industry one. Um, there's a funny clip done by I think it's the Scott Squad or whatnot. It's them. I don't know if, if nobody knows that. I think it's part of Scott Squad. But it's BBC Scotland sketch where it might be part of Scott Squad, Scott Squad, which is basically like a program that's a, a Scottish spoof comedy program that people dress up as police officers and spoof act stuff. And there's a scene that they did in that where it's basically some police officers like, oh, showing these kids this time capsule that they've dug up. And they're like, ah, here's a time capsule we've dug up. Let's look at the past. And it's like, first of all, oh, here we we have a doll. And then obviously he turned and was like, oh, 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 it's, um, let's put that back because it's obviously a gollywog, which is, if you know what that is, very racist, puts that away and he goes, ah, here we go, here we go. Oh, now, that. these things are called a vinyl. We have a vinyl here, and this vinyl's by Gary Glitter. Gary was a, oh, let's put that back. And then he's like, oh, here we go. We have a lanyard from um, ah, from Jim will fix it. Oh, we'll put that back. And it's just a, everything in the time capsule Jim, is just Jim of will the fix worst. It. Stuff. No, he will not. Jim did not fix anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's a funny thing because it's just like, you think, oh, it's a time capsule. They've put in stuff from the past which they think is good at the time. Maybe they were thinking, oh, it's not bad. But now, all the stuff that was in that time capsule, albeit fake, um, was, like, horrible. So, yes. If you ever come across... It's music-related, so I won't spoil anything, but if you ever come across anything that's Gargoyle or music-related, then uh, you, you avoid. Probably, you probably have, because one of his songs was put in The Joker. Ah, uh, yeah, well, there's another thing I, I won't... Um, Oh, can, can, should I mention it now? It's something to do with the, in the same realm of, in the same realm of, realm of that, of like it was used in something else. Because I don't know if you know about it. No, I don't know. So, um, I don't know if anyone is like aware, but basically, Green Day on their latest album, "Father of All Motherfuckers," which is a meh album. It's not great, but there's a song called "Oh Yeah," which I which samples. Joan Jett's cover of Do You Wanna Touch Me and Do You Wanna Touch Me is a song by Gary Glitter albeit Joan Jett's cover but that means that he has writing credits on that Green Day song Oof. yeah it's not good yeah but the thing is though um, the band described him as a total asshole because of sexual abuse and all the other stuff that he did. We'll get into. And they donate the royalties to International Justice Mission and Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network. So they weren't entirely aware because they were doing Joan Jett's cover of it. But then yeah. when they found out, they were like, this man's an asshole. So I thought I'd just mention that now. And if you ever see that, don't give hate to Green Day. They didn't know that at the time, but they donated money to the 
But if you come across anything music related of his, I would avoid it for sure, oh, as you will find out why. So, Paul Francis Gad. So he wasn't born Gary Glitter, um, obviously. That's a stage name because commonly a lot of people in the UK, famous singers, go by stage names. Not all of them, though, but a lot of famous British ones, you either know that they weren't their actual name or they've changed. I know what happens a lot in the America with like um, rappers, but in the UK, it's more like pop stars that have separate names that aren't their own. Yeah. Which I can understand. Yeah, so Paul Francis Gad, he is best known by the stage name Gary Glitter, as we've said. He is a, an English former singer and songwriter and record producer. He achieved success during the glam rock era of the 1970s and 80s, and his career would basically eventually crumble and go into nothing when he was put in prison for being a pedo. Best way to put it. So he was born in Banbury on the 8th of May 1944. He never knew his father, while, but his mum worked as a cleaner and she was unmarried. And she initially brought him up with the help of her mother. He was very hard to control as a child and was taken into local authority care at the age of 10, so foster care, along with his brother. Although he is technically a Protestant, he was educated at a Catholic school and... And we are. There's obviously a history with the Catholic school system. Oh yeah. Uh, very much. A, there's a stereotype, and this tends to be a running theme. He frequently ran away to London, visiting nightclubs, where he would later launch his career. So by the time he was 16, he was already performing in London clubs. His career grew as he appeared at such venues as the Two Eyes in Soho and La Conda and Safari Clubs. His kind of thing consisted of early rock and roll uh, standards and gentle ballads. So he was very much just a typical soft rock, really. But obviously for the time, they probably thought it was a bit more edgy than what it was. He gained his first break when film producer Robert Hartford, uh, sorry, Hartford Davis discovered him and financed a record session for Decca Records. In January 1960, at the age of 15, under the stage name Paul Raven, he released his first single, Alone in the Night. So yeah, he didn't always go by Gary Glitter in terms of stage names. A year later, with a new manager, Vic Billings, he signed a new recording contract with Paraphone and worked with a record producer, George Martin, before Martin's association with the Beatles. So, that he's... Oh, he's, God. Ooh. Horrible, because George Martin is one of the most, if not the most, praised and revered uh, person in the music industry. Obviously, his management of the Beatles, but the thought of him ever having to work with this man. Boy. Ugh. Yeah. So Martin produced two singles, Walk On Boy and Tower of Strength, but neither sold very well, and uh, it kind of, his, his career kind as Paul Raven kind of died very quickly. But he still carried on using the name and he joined the Mike Linder show band in the early 19, in early 1965 
and he was doing a quite a few recording sessions with quite a few different artists but none that were massive so obviously in the 19 in the 1970s the glam rock movement had completely came in and he took a full he took full advantage of this and changed his stage name to Gary Glitter, uh, which is what he would forever be known for. Like literally, no one calls him by his no by his birth name like like ever. Everyone just calls him Gary Glitter. Wait, he auditioned for a film? Yeah. What? The film Privilege. I mean, this film looks rubbish, but the fact is, starring. I mean, I don't want to know what it would have been like if he was actually in the film as the lead role in a film. That's horrible. No, I just saw them. That was that was quite interesting. But yeah, nobody calls him by his actual name. He is one of those celebrities that, if you said is real, he's one of those people that I guarantee, like, people, I know he's a fucked up individual, but there's certain celebrities in the UK that it's quite often in a pub quiz They'll say their real name, and it'll actually be people will be like, I don't know who that is, because they're so known by their other name, and their real name is just fizzled in the water. Like, um, for example, I, I, well, the one that I know, and it's quite famous, is Reginald Dwight III, which is Elton John. That's his actual name. But no, yeah. everyone calls him Elton John, and it's ha- it, they just say that all the time. News interviews. Blah. It's like Eminem. Everyone just says Eminem. You know, there's, you know, it's Marshall Mathers, but like, Everyone will say Eminem. Because um, it's just they just get to a point where their name's solidified. Flea. So he's one of those people where, at the time, and still now, he'll forever just have that solidified name. And no one will call him by his real name. I mean, yeah, true. Now, the, do you know the way... Do you know how he got the name? I actually don't know this. It's a... Whenever when people say the name, it's a very shitty name. I mean, I guess it kind of goes with the whole glam rock thing, like glitter, but and it's like a GG, which not that it relates to anything. Actually, they're probably meaning GG, but it's got an alliteration, so there would have been some stupid way he came up with it. But I have no idea. So basically, he got. Sorry, my friends are messaging me about freaking my friend going away. So they're all being like, are you sad about this? Yes, I'm sad about it. My friend is going away for three months. I've known this person for two years. It's the first time where I've not like been around them. So this is a bit weird for me. Anyway, so if you, if you hear me go a bit quiet, it's because I'm getting freaking hassled right now. So basically, he got the stage name by messing around he says that he, he said that he got it by messing around with letters of the alphabet and working backwards from Z. other oh. op- yeah apparently other options included terry tinsel stanley sparkle and vicky vomit i'm not joking about any of those either like, like, that is genuine. those all sound shit like yeah, i thought fucking terrible we thought gary glitter was bad but, but yeah but Jesus. that that shit terry tinsel it sounds like a kid, that's, that's... Kid, kids entertainer at Butlins who also would be a pedo. Yeah, but that sounds like a such solidified Christmas name. And Vicky Vom and that, I mean, his name's shitty, but I guess it doesn't really associate too much to anything particular. You'd be like Lord and landlocked in. But obviously it works in the fact, well, actually, he probably had the name. And then after that, he decided the stage presence will be all glam and glittery, which would hence be part of his name 
Because as you do know as well, that obviously there's a lot of people, celebrities, that are just as iconic with what they wore than what their actual name is. So appearance does go a long way, so I guess it's for a shit name, but I would if you'd been called the other ones, that would have been fucking hilarious. Oh god, imagine Vicky Vomit. Yeah, why why was that even like a an, an like a a thought? Why Vicky why why was that? Vomit. <laughs> fucking Jesus. So obviously he got fairly popular. Um but Right, so I'd say Gary Glitter, not in the, they're not the same. However, but I'd say because he's so known now, not for anything good, obviously. People think that his success was a lot longer than you than it actually was. Like, um, how people think that the Sex Pistols lasted long, like were. A, successful for way longer than they actually were when realistically it was about a year or so that they were successful it wasn't really long at all whereas yeah the same goes for gary glitter like people remember them because well, sex pistols were literally they were punk like, that is what they were and they were massive based on the whole like anarchy kind of thing but gary glitter his he was only successful for three years yeah i mean well this is a way better and this fucking scum and they've despised him as well um and i'm not gonna delve too well if anyone is listening i'm not gonna voice my opinions too much on that stuff because the punk community are very hasty over if you say what's this and what's not but yeah an example of like an artist like that where um someone like me know if, if you're not like in the know for certain artists like like for me i don't know Guy Glitter, because why the fuck would I? I'm one of those people that thought his success was longer than it probably is. But as I'm a big fan of the Sex Pistols, I know that their success has dwindled and that they're pretty much revered for the one album, never mind the bollocks of Sex Pistols, and the stuff that they did happen in the span of a year, and then that's the catalyst for other things, and they kind of fizzled off. John Lennon does the P- uh, P- uh, sorry, PIL, Public Im- Image Limited, and then the others dwindle off. They do the rock and roll, the great rock and roll swindle, but that's not John Lydon's John Lydon's involvement, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, I I know he's had hits, but I thought his success was a little longer than it was. But I think what I'm going to find out is, in terms of hits, it was just like singles and not like an album that yielded a hit, and then the album after it then yielded a hit, etc. I think it's more or less he just had hit singles which then the singles did well. It's not like he had an album that did particularly well, or maybe it did. But since he's a fucked up individual, obviously a lot of his music's just not played. Yeah. So I've heard I've heard slight little bits of it. And nowhere, I know he's, I think he's got a Christmas song and that's not, I know it was quite popular, I think, but I've never heard that. I've only heard a couple of his songs. So I think I searched them or maybe... Because, where would I have heard it? Maybe I searched it on YouTube to get a, a little listen. Maybe because of the Green Day thing. Yeah. Obviously the sample. But his stuff's not played anywhere. Obviously because of the bad shit he's done. They really wouldn't play their music anywhere. Like Lost Profits. But I think it would only you'd only hear it if you heard it in some documentary where they were speaking about him. Or, as you said, the movie it was in the Joker movie. Yeah, exactly. 
What's I mean, was it like prominently featured in a big scene or was it background is that, music or is the infamous scene where the Joker's dancing down the stairs? Oh, is really? That, they used is, that is song. That, is that oh. Scene? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, okay. So oh, did you the... did you hear the film and then think, oh shit? Um, don't kill me, audience. I've not watched it. But oh, but it, you just knew about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it it was very controversial, obviously. But I think it's based on the time it's set in. I have no idea why his music's used in it. Ah, yeah, that's horrible. Because people aren't gonna know. Because obviously, like with the new Batman film, something in the way by Nirvana obviously was used heavily, and it shot up the charts. And there were so many people that just had no fucking idea that about that Nirvana song and only knew Smells Like Team Spirit and then they were just completely encapsulized by it and then you know I the same could have happened with this film kids or whatnot could have gone oh there's that song playing during this infamous memed part of the uh, film oh, let's listen to it and not actually know whoa hold up it's a bad song I wouldn't advise because after we did the Ian Watkins one I don't know if anyone, I don't know if I said it, but like, if anyone in public has, you know, seen, or if I saw anyone in public listening to that music, I'd be like, excuse me, I, I, I wouldn't do that. I, I've kind of, I've kind of said to, I've seen their CDs in public and kind of like, if it's in a charity shop, I'd shove it to the back and like make it so it's not seen. Because I'm like, if someone doesn't know, they're going to pick that up and they're going to find out and they're going to feel bad. You'd rather not want people in a situation where what they think they're listening to is okay and then afterwards they find out it's not. Yeah. But his popularity probably dwindled because if he's a glam rock artist and we all know that genres change. Like, for, I mean, you're one of your biggest genres that you like, glam metal, yeah. arguably isn't popular now. Artists are probably still making it but it had its heyday. And we all talk oh, about... Oh, yeah, no one makes like, it now. I was about to say, what the fuck do you mean? Not popular? I'm, I'm going to a bloody Motley Crue Def Leppard World Tour. What are you on about? Yeah. But I, I mean in the interest of, like, the charts. Like, it being oh, something... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry if people got me in the wrong. I mean, it's popular in the sense of that people are still, like... People other see... genres are still popular because people go to concerts for the old band still performing. Yeah, yeah, people still listen to glam metal, stuff like that, but, like, it'll always be stuff from that era. It won't be a brand new track that's been made now. In the charts, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. people people have always... This is turning into a whole music thing now, but also... It's, it's about yeah. it's, well, the Ian Watkins thing, uh, one with, like, yeah. a whole music thing, so it's fine. I mean, I don't care, but, like, people say, like, um, this genre's dead, and I've seen top ten compilations of, like, dead genres, like... Scarpunk, yes, has heyday in the nineties. It's still being made now, and obviously, there could be a revival at some point of glam rock where people go back to that style. Obviously, pop punk's one of the big resurgences now, and it's getting in charts again. But like, he's he made a genre of music that was popular then, and people still go back and listen to glam rock sort of stuff. But it's not in the charts upon the levels of like what other music's being made because music's ever changing so that's why his popularity and other people in their genres their popularity's dwindled and the only way they're kind of still popular is based on the fact of they still have the old material and they are well received like all the other glam rock artists seem to be well received he did the fucked up thing and he's never gonna be still well received and not be popular with music yeah at a new music that's starting 
So, rock and roll was followed by, basically, that rock and roll was his main success over the next three years. And he would always be wearing, like, well, he'd stick to the stage name, wearing a fuck ton of glitter when he's on stage. He competed with uh, Sweet, Slade, and T-Rex for domination of the charts. Yeah, those were the glam rock ones I was going to mention. I yeah, love T-Rex. This is very 70s as well, like... Because obviously when I think glam rock, I'm going to more the Motley Crue, Poison, like Quiet Riot. <laughs> poison, Death yeah. Fucking Poison, yet Twisted Sister, that's where I go to. Yeah, because honestly, um, rest in peace to Mark Bolin, by the way. A T-Rex, I had, I had a love for T-Rex at quite a young age, but the glam rock's an interesting period because it's one of those periods where, especially when you talk about the artists, it's the music itself, but more so the outfits take a bigger sort of part than the music, if you will. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For some people. Because I feel like a lot of those artists, and I guess with the guy Glitter as well, like the, it's y- people would have listened to him, but also been in awe of this sort of stage presence. Which um, they had as well. Because I, if I think of like Twisted Sister, I think of the massive blonde hair, the makeup the whole shebang and it kind of catches your eye and then it makes you want to kind of dress like that because I assume a lot of people back then had the massive permed hair and just were all glittered out which wouldn't have been what I would have been probably back then but you know it's it's just this is one of those things that he happened to be lumped in with all the rest of them the other ones are great artists may I add which had very much better hits than him. Like, have you heard any of his music? I'm not gonna uh, lie, like, no, not really. Probably, yeah, you probably, you probably have done like basically you probably did at some point, but nah, not really. Because I think I've heard "Rock and Roll," which is his first hit. You said, which uh-huh. is part one and part two. There's yes. two parts of this shit, which shows lazy. Instantly enough, I don't know if you know this. I kn- I knew this a little bit as well. It's it's become uh, associated with sports in America. His part two. Oh. Yeah, because you know how Americans love to have songs playing if someone does something in some sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like it, like in the UK, right? If we play football, when someone scores a goal, they're not just going to start blasting out like Arctic Monkeys. Oh, I bet that you look good on it. No, it does. That don't happen. Like songs get played in some songs get played in the background if you're at venues and stuff, right? But when the actual match happens, you know what I mean. Yeah, none of that happens. But I know in America, obviously, they do play songs. So I believe this one has been used a couple times in sports venues, and I know that um, um, I know a couple some I can't remember what they were, but obviously, I think um. They chant, there's like, there's like a hey in rock and roll that they chant as well. But, I, you know, a couple a couple teams have had to change that. I think they changed, I think they changed it to You Suck or something. Yeah. And they switched to a Bon Jovi song and said some some um, sporting thing. But I just know that they ha- it's been used a couple times in uh, US sports, which, for, I, fucking, I don't know why. It, honestly, if you, I think... That 100%, I know for a fact that if you played one of his songs at a, an event here, 
oh, it would not go down well and people would be booing and there'd be fucking, there'd be shit happening. So if you are listening from the US and you go to a sports game and you hear a song and then you find out it's by him, you tell someone to just change that and get someone at that sporting event, a sporting event to not play it because his music does not need to be played at those sort of events. Uh, I can't imagine playing stuff like... I remember when I was at Download this year... The next, sorry, last year. I remember when I was at Download and there was this... We were just sat around the campsite and uh, one of our mates pointed out that the guy, one of the guys in the camps next to us was wearing a Lost Profit shirt. Oh, no. In 2022. And I was like... Dude. No. Oh, you, oh no, you... you no, 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 no. I will see. It's it's a it's a tough one because the other rest of the map, obviously the band members didn't know and they didn't do anything. It's just him that basically did the horrific shit. But everyone knows it's a touchy subject. I think this one's this one's quite tough as well because with the lost prophets, we we could have asked or you asked people somewhere like what our age. Yes. This is more of like your. You could maybe ask your parents. If you're from the UK, ask your parents. Oh, remember this? Because I think my dad a couple times has me- mentioned the name of his songs because he just knows them because they were popular. And obviously, knows he's a fucked individual. None of my family supports this man whatsoever. But I've been like, oh, well, that song title rings a bell, and or I, I, I haven't heard that song title. And my dad will go, oh yeah. The, like, I'm the leader of the gang, I am. Oh, yeah, that was the one by Guy Glitter, horrible man. You know, the, the, his his songs are kind of engraved in people's brains because of his popularity, which is... Um, I wonder what a parent's opinions are on this man. You know, of like... Because obviously at the time, when they listened to his music, he was obviously, in the UK at least, seen as like, a, oh, a popular, like, well-respected musician. And then when they found out, a lot of people must have been distraught because as we found out in our Lost Prophets episode, a lot of people our age were very distraught at the fact that their favourite band when growing up turned to shit. Yeah. Because the lead singer was an asshole and a fuck, fucking, fucky, fuck, fuck, fucked individual. So I'm assuming the case happened with this where some parents, when they found out what happened, were just like, fuck, I listened to him growing up and I respected that man. Yeah, basically, yeah. Because he was on top of the pops all the time, um, pretty much. When that was a thing and popular. Yeah, well, yeah, now you only see it on Christmas Day. I mean, we, I think we explained that in the Lost Prophets one, right? Because they were on it. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure they were on it once. But if anyone doesn't know, Top of the Pops was like the show for music. Where artists don't perform live. Some artists have ever so slightly performed live. Usually it's just the vocalist that's live. But they just play their song over the backing of it. But um, it was a very popular show back in the day where m- new music in the charts would get played. Un- kind of like the the older version of MTV, but you'd actually see the artist on the stage performing it. The only time I've seen people perform live was Feeder actually performed live. There was a couple artists. I know um, Funeral for a Friend, actually, they performed on top of the pops, and obviously they knew that they weren't going to perform live, and they didn't like the fact of that. But instead, they just said, "Fuck it, we can't pass an opportunity to play on top of the pops." But a lot of artists who have played top of the pops have fucked around and like changed instruments or messed up because they know that they're not live. Um, 
that was the one, if anyone also listens to our episode on Man Street Preachers, that Man Street Preachers performed on Top of the Pops and they performed their song Faster and they got about 20, was it 20k odd complaints to Ofcom because James was wearing a balaclava. Oh, yeah. And Nicky Wire wasn't in the performance as well, may I add. He wasn't performing there live or some other dude in the Mickey Mouse thing. But they people complained because he was wearing a mask. But yeah, Top of the Pops is maybe arguably where he got quite a lot of his fame from performing on there along with his songs. So in 1976, this is when his record sales basically started to go down massively. And he took a two-year-long like hiatus where he lived in France and Australia before returning to the UK and beginning his comeback. His career took a downward turn towards the end of the 1970s, leading him to declare bankruptcy in 1977. What? Yeah. He was bankrupt? Uh-huh. Damn, well, it's... He later, I mean... He did later blame the high tax rate in the UK at the time. God, he should see it now. I mean, I guess you can't really rely on the success of your songs. Maybe... I, I, I didn't think he would have been bankrupt. I thought songs had enough going for them that he wouldn't he had been stable wow well yeah well he entered bankruptcy for a second time over unpaid tax in the 1990s so now uh he there his comeback was boosted in the 80s by various guest spots and collaborations in 1982 he appeared on the british electric foundation album music of quality and distinction volume one uh, which uh, not good uh, for a comeback. He tried opening restaurants and bars and all this kind of stuff, but that obviously didn't work because they would close just a few years later. He also launched his own record label in the early 1990s called Attitude Records after he lost his deal with Virgin Records. So, yeah, he's trying things. It's not really working. Then- I mean... There was no way. No. There's no way if 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 you're declared like bankrupt and you're written down by another record label that any success is going to wander you. It can come back for sure, but I just feel like him starting a label, he'd have to have some great artists on there. And even then, after what happened, his record label would have crumbled. So, you know, if you've worn and see, that's the thing that when you're a musical artist and you get fame with it, it's tough to do something else that's not music. Mm. Uh, maybe I've mentioned this beforehand, but take a band like, um, for example, I don't know, like uh, uh, Def Leppard, for example. Yeah. Can you... Right, the people in Def Leppard, yeah? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you went into a restaurant and you just saw one of the people there was like one of the members of Def Leppard. Fucking sick. Ah, you, it would be sick, but you can't imagine it because all they've done is music. That doing something else is just... To be fair, it, to be fair there's a few... Um... Like, this is, with some of them, it's a bit different. Um, like, John Bon Jovi, he has his own rosé. Oh. And it's actually his company. It's not like, oh, John Bon, like bon Jovi rosé. It's not called that. It's called Hampton Water. It's a very, like, it's like a whole company with him and his son. So he tends to go into, like, supermarkets sometimes and do like the whole free samples thing and he tends to help out at soup kitchens and all this stuff so for him that'd be very much normal to see him there so a lot of them do have stuff like this where they have their own restaurant so it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility of bumping into them in that kind of area yeah but 
I mean, yeah, obviously other musicians do other things. I know Dexter Holland has Gringo Bandito Hot Sauce. But it's just one of those things where, like, they're known for doing music. And that's kind of all they've done. Like, the Rolling Stones, for example, all they've done is music. Where, like, it reaches a point where they can't really do anything else because that's their solidified career. So a lot of people, obviously, like with him, he did music. And then trying to find something else and have success with it's a bit meh which is probably why he he led to doing collabs with people. I'll try my record label. I'll just try anything because my success is gone. You know, like, I guess if anyone watches telly now and they see someone on the telly and they go, I haven't seen them in a while. And it's like, oh, are they trying to just clasp onto the fame by going on this reality show or something just to get money and just to kind of be in the spotlight again because their popularity is windled and they haven't found anything that will boost them back up. So he he did actually have a wife at one point, and he has kids. He, he does have kids. I mean, who would marry this cunt? So Obviously, he, she did. He got married to a lady named Anne Merton in July 1963. They had a son named Paul, born in 1964, and a daughter named Sarah, born in 1966, but him and Anne divorced in 1972. In February 2001, he had another son named Gary Jr. with his Cuban girlfriend at the time, who he was living with in Cuba. He had homes in London and Wedmore at the time of his arrest in 1997, which we are going to go into in just a second. But one thing to add is that um, he was banned for 10 years in 1986 from driving um, after being caught drunk driving. But that was a very common thing in the 80s, I'm not going to lie. So Yeah... Hmm. Now, I mean, it's not good, but it was a very common thing. Like drunk driving was very, very common in the eighties. I, I see. I will say, it, it's just horrible the fact that it, when you look at it, this man is one of the most successful UK music acts we've had. Yet he's an asshole, and that's why whenever someone talks about this, I feel ashamed that. You know, when someone says, oh, like, oh, UK have so many great acts and we have to think that we had this man who was one of the be- uh, like best selling and at some point in the chart history. And he's a fucking hated man. Like, just the fact that there's his songs got so much popularity and he's just been a fuckhead. And, and, it, and it hurts me because someone who really likes music, I hate it. When, like, there's so much popularity that happens in one artist, and then they just turn out to be a cunt. Because all that success and how much impact that music has on other people just goes down the fucking drain. Like, you know, he's this man's had about oh, over like 20 million records. I'm just looking at stats now because I'm interested. 20 million records and 26 hit singles. That's a fucking lot. And 108 weeks in the UK singles charts with 12 top 10s. And three number ones. That's like a lot. And for him to just go to shit. But he's also one of the biggest selling artists the UK has. It's just like kick in the teeth. Oh, gotcha. Like, people always debate over which scene has better music. Like the US, like the UK. This is one of those things where it's like, oh, this is fucked. Like, the UK will just like come away with some fucking horrific serial killer which brings us down there a horrific game show host or something horrific celebrities horrific music artists and it just dents that that part of us which is another reason for people to hate the uk like culture 
And the fact that, I mean, as well as Christmas song, another rock and roll Christmas, which probably shit, but according to this, it was one of the most played Christmas hits on the UK radio from the mid-1980s to the mid-1990s. This man has a fucking decentest Christmas song as well. Like, we have buying Christmas songs in the UK, but for his one to be popular and then him be a shit artist and it be one of those, you know, Christmas songs that you never want to. Um, and as well, I don't know where this has come from, but in 1998 it said, I don't know if you had this down, his recording of rock and roll was listed as one of the top 1001 songs in music history. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Whoever makes these lists, you can fucking remove that. There's no way... His song is one of the top 1,001 songs in music history. Eh-eh. That's, you can get that out the window. God. Please don't hate our music, please, if you're not from uh, the UK. We have good music. This guy was a dent in it, and so was Ian Watkins. Can you can you just shove them out of the way, please? But yeah, let's, 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 sorry, I'm, I'm delving away too much, but I just wanted to just show my hatred, the fact that he was so popular and he's brought the UK down in the music scene. But um, now I'm going to not enjoy this next part because I kind of do know what he did. Yep. In November 1997, he was arrested after a technician discovered child pornography images on the hard drive of a laptop that he had taken to a computer retailer in Bristol to be repaired. Further images were discovered by police during searches of his homes in London and Wedmore. He was seized in the media. He was criticised, obviously, in the media over the allegations. Additionally, his appearance in the Spice Girls musical comedy film Spice World was cut. Oh yeah, he was meant to be in that. Yep. But, oh fuck, I forgot about that. But the um edited version of his song i'm the leader of the gang was left in the movie that's what it was yes they left his song in there but he wasn't he was cut yeah oh because there was a similar instance as well do you remember um uh i don't know if you remember this if i mentioned it peter k he's in wait no yeah wait peter k we're talking about the jimmy savile thing yes this is in the music video to this is the way to amarillo he was in it but then they had to edit it to cut him out so it's just side pan to him whoever that woman is oh the uh yeah Yeah, because he he's walking the thing but they cut it and at the time i i remember watching i think i watched the original but obviously with the spice girls one people still hear the song and they would have never known he was cut but it's the same case of that where obviously i mean if he was featured in the film they would have had to cut him out with that so um this part's not Good. Um, at Bristol Crown Court on the 12th of November 1999, Mr. Justice Butterfield sentenced him to only four months in prison and placed him on the sex offender register in the UK after he admitted to downloading more than 4,000 items of child pornography. He got four months for that. That's um, fucked. He was then cleared of a char. He was cleared of a charge of having sex with a fourteen-year-old girl with who he had a relation a relationship with in the late nineteen seventies. It was later revealed that the woman sold her story to the News of the World and stood to earn more money from the newspaper should Glitter be convicted. So they cleared it. Uh, following his release in January 2000, Glitter decided to leave the UK where he'd become a public hate figure and, le- and fled on his yacht to Spain. 
Uh, he lived there for about six months on his yacht, which was just chilling in the arena. In the, sorry, in the marina. He told the locals that his name was Larry Brilliante and spent his time frequenting local bars and surfing the internet. After his real identity became known, he moved to Cuba and later to Cambodia, where he rented an apartment. And in late 2002, he was detained over his previous sex offences and spent four days in jail before being released on bail. In January 2003, he was deported from Cambodia to Thailand on a flight to Bangkok. Ironically, that's where my friend is going right now. He then settled in Vietnam. They will also be going to Vietnam. Fuck's sake. <laughs> in March 2005, Glitter resided in Vietnam where he rented a luxury seaside villa and applied for permanent Vietnamese residency. He came to the attention of Vietnamese authorities after being banned from a nightclub for allegedly groping a teenage waitress. Eyewitnesses also reported seeing him take two young girls into his home. On the 12th of November 2005, he fled his home. A 15-year-old girl was found living in his flat and was also questioned by authorities. So he's not really giving a shit and he's not stopping at all. He's getting worse, if anything. Police began searching for Glitter and he was arrested on the 20th of November at, San, at Tan Sunat International Airport while trying to board a flight to Bangkok. Six Vietnamese girls and women aged from 11 to 23 claimed that Glitter had had sex with them. After his arrest, Glitter was turned over to uh, police from Beirei Young Tao, returned to y Vung Tao and held on suspicion of having sex with two underage girls. He was held in jail throughout the criminal investigation, which was completed on the 26th of December 2005. The charge of rape was dropped for lack of evidence, although Glitter admitted that an 11-year-old girl had slept in his bed. Why was she in your bed? Well, just the, the, the mental image I get of him is the fact that the image that most people might think of is him, the, him wearing... I don't, know what you, I don't know what you call the suit, but it was always open. You saw his chest here. The jump, the massive glittery jumpsuit. The massive glittery jumpsuit thing. Yeah. Like, how the fuck people were attracted to that shit? But that's just the image I've seen of him. Yeah, and like at like at the time, um, I mean, if someone were that now, it would be a bit maybe like, Meh. but like back then, it was like <coughs> it must have been to some people. They must have thought, oh, that's attractive. It's fucking not. No. But he must have thought so, and it's just all his his chest hair. So the fact that he was probably using that to. To you know, like, um, persuade people to kind of get with him is like, yeah, ew. So he could have faced execution by firing squad if found guilty of child rape as well while he was there. After having, after having received con compens there, fuck's sake, here we go again. Compensatory payments from Glitter. The families of the girls appealed for clemency for him. On the 2nd of March 2006, he was tried on charges of committing obscene acts with two girls aged 10 and 11 and facing up to 14 years in prison if convicted. The following day, he was found guilty and sentenced to three years in prison instead. The sentence included mandatory deportation at the end of his sentence and payment of 5 million Vietnamese dong at $350 to, which is, yeah, $350 to his victims' families. 
The judge said he, sexu- he sexually abused and committed obscene acts with children many times in, de- in a disgusting and sick manner. And Glitter denied all of it still. And saying that he has been framed by British tabloid newspapers. In an interview with BBC News in May 2006, Glitter denied that he was a paedophile and claimed to not have knowingly had sex with anyone under 18. He said that he hoped to put his life back on track and have a career where, after he spent after his time in prison in England, he continued to blame the press for his downfall and called them the worst enemy in the world, alleging that they had paid girls in a bar to arrange a photo scoop. Glitter did not comment about his previous conviction for downloading child porn several years earlier. On the 15th of June 2006, in a closed hearing, a judge, a three-judge panel of the Supreme People's Court of, Viet- of Vietnam heard Glitter's appeal for a reduced sentence. The appeal was rejected four weeks later, although he was calm throughout the 40-minute reading of the verdict. Upon leaving the courthouse, Glitter shouted angrily to reporters and denounced Vietnamese justice for not hearing the defence arguments. On the 7th of February 2007, his sentence was reduced by three months. In anticipation of his release, the, Philipp- the Philippines barred Glitter from entering that country as of the 16th of May 2008. He then served his sentence in Thu Duc Prison in southern Bituan Province. I'm probably saying all of this wrong. I am so sorry. He shared a cell with, if eight, with 18 other foreign inmates and was exempt from hard labour because of his age. In 2007, he suffered from high blood pressure and was put on medication and told to stop buying beer from the prison canteen. Didn't know you could get beer in some prison canteens, but okay. In January 2008, after being taken to a prison clinic for treatment of intestinal problems, tests showed that Glitter had an irregular heartbeat. Gutted. Later that month, he suffered a heart attack and collapsed in his cell. He was taken to hospital where he was kept under police guard and he was visited in hospital by officials from his British embassy. So um, his lawyer in Vietnam said that he was intending to return to the UK, although he had expressed interest in moving to either Hong Kong or Singapore. In the UK, it was reported that he would be placed on the sex offenders register on his return. British Home Secretary Jackie Smith said that Glitter should be given a foreign travel order, banning him from overseas travel, saying that we need to control him and he will be once he returns to this country. Now, he was released on the 19th of August 2008 to be escorted by police to the airport to be put on a flight to London from Bangkok. In Bangkok, he claimed that he had a heart condition and refused to board the flight to London despite the efforts of British police sent to escort him there, although they had no jurisdiction to take action on him. A doctor attending to him said that diagnosed him with a heart disorder, a heart issue, and prescribed him with painkillers and declared him fit for travel, so it looks like you're going anyway, Gaza. He still refused to leave because he's... Yeah. He booked himself into a transit lounge room and claimed that he was a free man because he refused to leave. He refused admission to Thailand as a threat to domestic morality. Thai immigration officials gave him a deadline to leave the country and warned that he would be detained and deported to the UK if he didn't leave voluntarily. 
On the evening of the 20th of August, Glitter took a flight to Hong Kong where he requested medical treatment, claiming that he was suffering from a heart attack again. The Hong Kong authorities also refused to admit him and he re- and they returned him to Thailand the next day. So, good. He's really trying to get away here, isn't he? Yeah. He- I mean, that's one of the most notorious things as well about him, that he was trying to escape all this. Yeah. And the fact is, he moved from the UK... Because obviously he's hated so much in the UK. What do you do? You fly to other countries where you weren't as known for the crimes that you committed. But then that fucks you because not every country is like the UK in terms of our laws. And in other places you get death penalties for stuff that you don't overhear. So he fucked himself. And then just tried to avoid those places because you're like, nah... I went there for safety, and now I'm going to get fucked because they find out what I did, and I might die. Let me fly back to, you know, trying to just to go to anywhere we can hide away and be safe. Little scumbag. Yeah. So, at least 19 countries, including Cuba, Cambodia, and the Philippines, announced that they would refuse entry to him. And on the 21st of August, the Thai authorities stated that he had agreed to return to the UK at seven at 10 past 7 a.m. on the 22nd of August, which is when he arrived at Heathrow Airport, where he was met by British police officers. On his return to the UK, Glitter was added to the Sex Avengers Register for Life. He stated an intention to appeal against the, de- the decision, but on the 16th of January 2009, it was announced that he had abandoned that whole thing. Now... In October 2012, ITV aired a documentary called The Other Side of Jimmy Savile because the BBC weren't touching that with a 10-foot pole because obviously it makes them look very bad, which it should do because they fucked up and they intentionally did it. Oh, the BBC have fucked up a lot. Yeah. So this documentary, for those who aren't aware, was detailing the allegations against Jimmy Savile, which had recently come out since he had which had recently come out at the time since he had passed away. If you don't know about Jimmy Savile, go Google him. Especially our American listeners, because I'm pretty sure you guys aren't aware of him. Uh, Go Google him. He's a fucking horrific piece of shit, and there are documentaries everywhere about him. So, brace yourselves, though. So, accounts included an accusation against Glitter in this documentary, who was alleged to have raped a 13- or 14-year-old girl in Jimmy Savile's BBC dressing room. Now, the thing is with the BBC is that there are allegations that they were very much aware of this happening. I'm going to say allegations, and this is the reason why we're not on BBC Sounds. On the 28th of October, Glitter was arrested and questioned by police in London as part of, of, as part of Operation U-Tree. Uh, he was then released on police bail until the middle of December and was bailed again until February. On the 5th of June 2014, Glitter was charged with eight counts of sexual offences committed against two girls aged 12 to 14 between 1977 and 1980. On the 25th, uh, sorry, on the 19th of January 2015, Glitter appeared at, South, uh, at Southwark Crown Court, accused of seven counts of indecent assault, one count of attempted rape, and two other sexual offences against three girls between 1975 and 1980. He was accused of sexually assaulting two girls aged 12 and 13 after inviting them backstage to his dressing room and attempting to rape a girl, sorry about this, under the age of 10. 
after he creeped into her bed. The trial for this lasted two and a half weeks, which is, based on every single case that we've ever covered on this podcast, very, very short. Normally, you've got, like, this trial lasted a few months, a year, whatever. The Ian Watkins one lasted a year, whereas this lasted two and a half weeks. And at this point in time, 2015, Ian Watkins has been in prison for the past two years. On the 5th of February, Glitter was convicted of attempted rape, four counts of indecent assault, and one of having sex with a girl under the age of 13. He was acquitted of three other accounts, and he was remanded in custody at HM Prison at Wandsworth prior to his sentencing. On the 27th of February 2015, Judge Alistair McCreeth sentenced Glitter to 16 years in prison. In May 2015, Glitter began an appeal against his convictions. On the 17th of November 2015, Glitter's appeal was denied at the Court of Appeal, which ruled that there was nothing unsafe about the conviction. In November 2015, it was announced that Glitter's performances on the BBC's Top of the Pops would not be re-shown because sometimes, around Christmas time especially, they will show old performances from previous Christmas episodes of Top of the Pops going back literally to the beginning of the show. So they obviously got rid of that. See, I wonder if they got rid of it as uh, other cases with Jimmy Savile on it as well because I was on YouTube randomly and I was searching the skids, which are infamous um, Scottish punk band, very famous. They're well known. Um, they did. A, I was just watching the performances on YouTube, and I came across one, and it was like, ah, the skids perform a song on top of the pops, and uh, who introduced them, and who was the one to say the song coming on, blah blah blah. Jimmy Savile. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake! I thought I was gonna wa- listen to like a good. You know, a watch, sorry, a good performance of them on top of the pops, and then that couldn't have to be there. So I wonder if they removed all the ones of him on it as well. Yeah, possibly. Wouldn't shock me. So, so from 2015 to 2018, Glitter was at HM Prison, Albany. In 2018, he was transferred to HM Prison, The Verne, a lower security prison. But that is where he still is, and he is still alive. And we hope he stays there. He probably will. He he has to. There's no fucking way he's getting out. But yeah, that's yeah. Gary, you Glitter. know what? You know what else is interesting? I'm gonna mention this stuff now because this is something that people might be interested in, and I didn't know, but I was finding out about it now. Um, because he's a musical artist. He well, there's a couple things I want to say, but one of them is that he still did stuff after his conviction that was music related. Which you'd think, why the fuck would you do that? Because you're never going to have the success you did. So, I mean, he re-promoted... He had, like, a compilation album he re-promoted after... Um, just a couple of days after his arrest. That, that uh, Like, a compilation album that had been released a couple of days after his ar- arrest. He re-promoted it again, was what his label, uh, label did in, like, 2002. And I'm like, that's never going to have any success. And it was in September 2001, he released a new studio album called On, which included material written before his 99 conviction. But again, why would you release an album? It's like never going to do any good. No one's going to buy it. And people know it sold 5,000 copies worldwide. Who the fuck even bought that? But what was kind of more interesting is I mentioned it before about sampling. And I didn't actually know this until now. 
What? Have a guess. I have no idea. He, he's, he, one of his songs was sampled on a very famous artist's very famous album. Go and on. I think you know because they're very, very related to where you live. Oh, Oasis. Yep. Ah, makes me. Uh huh. I don't like so, Oasis anyway. I fucking hate them. Basically, um. Well, you know what? Have a guess what album it is. I don't know. I don't listen to Oasis. How the fuck am I gonna know? Oh well. You know their most famous album. What's the uh, What's the story? Morning Glory. Oh right, yeah. I didn't know this, but the first track on that album samples one of his songs. Gross. The first song on it called Hello. Um, yeah, the English, well, the English rock band, Oasis, very, very famous. Uh, you did a sample from Glitter's 1973 chart hit, Hello, Hello, I'm Back Again, on their 1995 multi-million selling album. One of a number of acts that obviously sampled him as well. But it's quite interesting, because obviously, apparently in the 1994 FIFA World Cup as well, he was, um, as a price hit. And he also played The Godfather in the 1996 revival tour of The Who's Quadrophenia. But... I thought I'd mention that because I don't know where it was. Um, it mentioned it here because about the sampling. Because now we're in uh, the term of streaming and stuff, but also royalties. Because you mentioned the film. Uh-huh. But it was quite interesting here what it said. Obviously, his back catalogue has been made available via the internet. Like iTunes and stuff. You can still find like Lost Props and other artists who've done fuck things on streaming sites. So... I guess people still stream them. It's a horrible site that they're still available, but they are. Yeah. But in terms of like royalties, it's like that's another thing I didn't I think of. He's still I making money. No, he will not be making money. No, hundred percent not. But it just has here some like figures of what he might have earned. So basically, that Oasis, he might. It says here, uh, news reports state that as of late July 2013. He may have earned a total of one million pound from royalties derived from the Oasis song because they had a sample in it. The monetary sum, in addition to the royalties from his back catalogue of songs, about three hundred k a year or more, and the estimated two hundred k he was awarded for copyright infringement after he enacted legal action in Oasis against Oasis in nineteen ninety nine. Um, in two thousand fourteen, Billboard reported that Rock and Roll Part Two, which is the more famous part out of the two parts co-written by him and Mike Leander, was earning an estimated 250k a year in royalties due to its use in the NHL. What? That's a lot of money to be earning. Why the fuck is it still being used in the NHL? And also, you mentioned it was going to be used in the Joker. It's controversial on that, but also people were controversial on the fact that he would receive a lump sum of money, money in royalties for the fact of it being used. However... According to the LA Times, Glitter does not receive payment when the song is used as he has sold the rights, and the US rights to the song are now owned by Universal Music Publishing Group. And the song charted in the US in October 2019? Oh, Lord. But yeah, he might still be earning money from some of his songs, and a big lump sum. And that's fucked. Like, oh, God, Jedi is fucked. But you generally think... I don't think he... I mean... But he, the thing he, is, he like... Will, he, won't, he will not make any fucking money. Even from that Oasis song, yet no, the Oasis song's no. sampled and he's got writing credits on it, though, surely. Oh, I don't where the fuck's it gonna go? He's in prison. Mm, he would, he still has to receive royalties if it's streamed, though. Yeah, I don't. That'll go to, like, family or something. That might go to his kids. I mean, it can't directly go to him, but, like, with Lost Profits, the other members will get it, but there's still a chance that it has to go to someone. But, I mean, as well, 
it's a fucked thing that he's still uh, people are even still streaming that, which is like oh, horrible. Gotcha. But obviously, people who don't know that they'll know they don't know the Oasis song sampled that or like the new Green Day one. So they just they're unironically thinking it's just the artist because there's a lot of songs people will go, oh shit. That sampled that other song, I had no idea, unless it's blatantly obvious. So a lot of Oasis fans just think, oh, that good song, hello. And then if I told them, they'd be like, wait, what? They'd think, that's fucked. And I mean, another thing as well, there's a couple other artists it said down here that were kind of influenced to some sort of way. Um... I mean, one of the interesting ones here was CeeLo Green has been influenced by Glitter's music, telling Enemy in 2014, I am very aware of the crimes committed, so I would not like to have this misconstructed, but I appreciate the musical contribution and what he did sonically. Mm, uh, obviously, Joan Jett did the cover, and apparently Freddie Mercury recorded a single using the pseudonym Larry Lorex, a I name mean, apparently influenced by all, the name. They would have done theirs before anything came out so yeah that's what i'm saying in the cases of that they did their stuff before this sort of thing but like CeeLo green imagine on eddie territory there but a couple of the artists that have been influenced but or said they green, were CeeLo green's the meant to be a twat anyway so i'm not even surprised but it's just it's just a weird thought that um at the time he was like an influential folk and now he's definitely not an influence for nobody eh -eh. Nope. but he's my God, if he is getting money. But that's, that's the thing you don't think about because streaming now is how people get money. Although not a lot, but if you sample someone, you'll have credits on something, so you'll still get royalties. And obviously, there's cases I could talk about where um, it's like fucked over for royalties, like the infamous Rolling Stones and the, the Verve one, but we won't talk about that. But the fact is that having your name sampled in something or you giving the rights for someone to use it, you need to still get money. But, God, I mean... If anyone wants to, if they go on Spotify don't and they can see how many people him. are streaming, don't. Listen don't. To him. don't listen no, to I, him. I was saying, like, if somebody went on Spotify just to see how much streams he was getting monthly, I hope that number's not high, because that's going to be atrocious if it is. Oh, God. Fucking yeah. hell. But yeah, but guys. If, Sorry, what was that? I was just going to say, but if you hear a song and then you think and you find out that it's by him, don't go any further with that. Because from no. what it seems, and this is probably for the US listeners, his songs are being played at sporting venues in other areas and being in films and other things. If you don't know it there and then, and then you find out, do not go back and listen to any of the stuff again. Just If you can find out what you listened to was by this man, completely null and void, forget about it, don't listen to it again, don't, don't recommend it or tell someone if they're ever playing it, you shouldn't play that. And I know someone could go, well... He's from the UK. It's not our thing. He's still a fucked individual wherever you listen to his music. So please don't. Please do not. And that is the case of Gary Glitter, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. it was, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed that notorious piece of shit. And... God. I didn't enjoy any of this. No. I, you know, would you say he is in the top 10 of the most fucked people ever from the UK? I would. Yeah. I'd even say top, he's top five. He's yeah, definitely top five. 100%. Okay, guys. We will see you next week. And the reason why I'm rushing all this is because I really got to pee. So, um... <laughs> we will... I don't have to pee. I don't I, have to pee. I, I, I really got to pee. So, uh, we'll speak to you guys later. Uh, I'm going to go. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.